Hello, everyone. Welcome to Beyond Sunday at Bethlehem, a podcast created to go beyond the Sunday service experience at Bethlehem Church, exploring some of the deeper questions of our faith, offering additional content from behind the scenes from the cutting room floor. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Angela Buckland, and as always, I am beyond excited to host today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Sunday. Today, you are in for such a special treat. Today's episode comes from our live event, our Bethlehem Women's event this past weekend, October 20th, 21st, Deep Conference 2023. It was our first ever women's conference Y'all, I don't even have the words. I am at a loss for once in my life. Uh, We saw God move. It was incredible. Our ladies showed up to this event. Lives were changed. Our hearts were filled. And we saw God move and Him glorified. The name of Jesus lifted up. And He made this event possible for our ladies. And we are so, so blessed and so thankful. On this episode, you're going to hear from our guest speakers from the event, Allie Worthington, Natalie Runyon from Raised to Stay, and uh, myself and our worship leader from Bethlehem Church, Chevis Phillips, joins me, and we get to co-host this episode together. And we talk about confidence, calling, and living unoffended. And we hope you enjoy this episode. We love you guys. We love our ladies that showed up to this event, and we are so grateful. Enjoy this. Good morning, ladies. Welcome. It is so fun to be able to walk out to myself introducing myself. (laughs) So welcome to our live episode of Beyond Sunday, and you guys get to be a part of that. Welcome to our live recording of Beyond Sunday today. That's right. Yes. This is interactive. We want interaction. It's okay. You're going to be recorded, so let's hear it. We'll whoop and holler and all those good things. Sing hallelujah. We want the, we want the, uh, the interaction. So today, we are joined. I am joined today by Shevis. Shevis is going to help me co-host this this morning. And today, we have Allie Worthington. And Natalie Runyon on the podcast today. Okay, we're gonna di- we're gonna dive right in. Super excited about this. So, part of the reason why I, I knew when we were creating this event that it was such a God planned, God ordained uh, event from the beginning, and we were thinking and praying about our speakers and who we wanted to attend this, and um, and both of you were on our hearts. So. So excited that you're here. Both of you have a passion and a call to serve and empower women. So you both do it in different ways, but the call is the same. Where did that passion come from and when did it begin? And tell us a little bit about that journey and when you started to think, hey, I might, this might be a calling. So Allie, you want to answer that first? Uh, for me, my journey started in 2008. Who remembers the housing market crash? <laughs> Wasn't that fun? In 2007, I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. Uh, in 2007, I had four. I was pregnant with my fifth. My husband had lost his job. We were in a very fancy house that uh, had a very high mortgage. And once he lost his job and the money ran out, mm. we realized, oh, we actually can't sell this house. Mm. And so we ended up losing our home. Four weeks after my fifth son was born, wow. we lost everything we owned except what fit into two little storage units. And that summer, I started Googling, how do you 
build a business on the internet. We lived with my grandfather. And I was like, wait a minute. The internet gives women opportunity. We can learn anything we want to learn. We can build anything we want to learn and build. And it doesn't really cost that much. I was like, I had my new calling. And I built my company and I became obsessed with teaching women everything I knew Mm -hmm. for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So no other woman has to choose between not being able to feed her kids, you know, and staying with her kids. I, I love the fact that I could build while I stayed home with my kids. So mm. that, that became my obsession. I love it. Natalie? I had been a pastor's kid my whole life and then went right into church staff. And being a woman on a church staff had such a unique nuance to it. And so in 20, gosh, 19, after going through my own really heavy church hurt um, and being under women who didn't really know how to champion, they were, there was a little bit of competition, mm. I really wanted to be what I needed in ministry. I wanted oh, to be that. what the generation under me needed. I wanted to be what I needed at 20 and 21 yeah, when the church hurt me and things weren't going the way that I expected it to go. And so that's really where Raised to Stay you know, his birth was out of it a desire just to be what I needed when I first said yes to ministry. I love that. That is, in fact, uh, Lauren, who's one of our co-hosts, she's, she and I share an office and she has uh, the, the sign in her office says, be who you needed. Yeah. And that's exactly that's the reason, and we're going to kind of jump around here in these questions, but the evidence that I see of, a, of God's hand on someone's life is that they're willing to share with what they know uh, with, with other women and they're not closed-fisted about it. And that's how I know God's hand is on someone. And so that's the evidence that I see giving and sharing what you know with others so that they can live empowered lives. Because you've gone through, you know what it was like to experience and persevere and go through those things. But then you wanna be free and generous and open-handed with others. Why do you think that there is that tendency to be closed-fisted? It's kind kind of a scarcity mentality. Feel free, any one of you can jump into that. What do you, where do you think that comes from? I think it's insecurity. I, yeah. I think it's like the whole Saul, David, you know, there's a scripture that talks about how the women are chanting, here comes, uh, you know, David who killed this many, and then here That's comes right. Saul who only killed this many, but there's still applause for both. Like there's yeah. still value and, and that. And so there's this tendency to want to be validated. It's the orphan spirit mm. that is in contradiction mm. with the error that we are in Christ. And so for me, I believe that if I can operate as a co-heir with Christ, then my desire to be seen diminishes as I make him known. And I think when we're in unhealthy seasons, we're all one unhealthy season away from being a Saul. That's exactly yes. Right. yes. Yeah. And, and so Preach. my heart is just always like, Lord, search my heart. You look at the heart. And, yeah. um, but I, I do believe that we're all capable of being a Saul if we don't constantly have Jesus at the forefront of our mission. That's good. That's really good. Thank you for sharing that. So what is the secret that you've learned to living unoffended in a world that has become so increasingly offended about everything, where everything, it's easy to be offended about everything? Uh, what, is, what is the secret that you've learned? I'm a lifetime student of psychology. I, just, I love how God created us and how we think and how we feel. And the more I studied, the more I learned that, for the most part, other people's behavior and reaction to me, it really wasn't about me. Mm. It was about, what are they in a bad mood that day? Was there childhood trauma that they need to deal with? You know, are they, are they 
grumpy in this season. And once I started realizing everybody behind the scenes is dealing with their own stuff, yeah. that it's truly not about me, it was very liberating. However, I do still have a circle of people who will call me out. Yeah. Like, hey, you're being it's a so jerk important. about this. Or, you know, <laughs> my husband, I have five sons, my 17-year-old, stand up, honey. James is here. Everybody, Hi, James. Everybody love on James. Uh, <laughs> they, they don't let me get away with anything. I have a close circle of friends who aren't impressed with, you know, that I write books, and, and they, will, they will call me out on anything. Yeah. So I feel like that's really important. So if there's something that I need to fix, something that's off, I will get called out on it. Mm. But I don't need to feel like everybody else's behavior or reaction to me or whether they chose me for something or not. It really has to do with me because it probably has to do with things that are out, outside of my control. Yeah, yeah. That's really uh, a secret to confidence in who God called you to be, knowing who you are, and that so when things come or happen or you make mistakes or uh, you get called out on things, that you know, you know at the core of your identity who you are in Christ. So talk about where you, what is the secret to walking confi confidently in the Lord, knowing who you are, what would you say that is? <laughs> if anybody else knows the answer to this, feel free to join us. We're all still figuring it out. It's every day. I'm telling you, it's an everyday surrender. There is, I don't know that there's ever this moment where we're like, I am so confident. Like, yeah. I, I do believe, though, that that identity being rooted in Christ, it has to be the thing that drives everything that we do from motherhood to being a wife to the thing that God has called us to do. And so the minute that we're doing it for people, my confidence wavers. The minute that I'm doing it for the Lord, mm. I'm reminded of who I am in Christ and I'm rooted and established in that. That's good. And so, you know, it's like when God speaks to Jeremiah and he says, I'm just a boy. And God says, don't say you're just a boy for if you speak my words, then what can man do to you? And so that's where I stand. Because yeah. if I speak the word of God, that's where my confidence right. lies. I love that. That's good. So who has inspired both of you? I, I want to know who inspired you to live unapologetically who God created you to be? Who inspired you the most? Where did you see that modeled for you? Okay, don't judge me for this one, for the first one. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do business and ministry, Love okay? It. Love it. Business, Dolly Parton. Yes. We love it. I'm an East Tennessee girl. Like, I, I, growing up, I watched her build and build and be really smart and really savvy, and Dollywood is amazing, side note. Um, she does all of these different things, but very quietly behind the scenes, She's also giving every child in Tennessee books. Mm -hmm. She's giving children who yeah. can't afford books books. Like she's doing all this amazing work. And imagine the pressure she had through the years to not be Dolly Parton. Yeah. Imagine how many people early in her career, like there was this great story she tells because she wrote the song, I Will Always Love You. Mm -hmm. And Elvis wanted to buy it from her, but she could never sing it again. So she said no. And she said, I turned down all that money, but then. Uh, then Whitney sang it, and I made enough money to buy Graceland. And I was like, <laughs> so I, I love Dolly. Uh, but That's ministry, awesome. uh, I'd say Beth Moore, uh, from yes. spending a lot of time with Beth behind the scenes. She is the same, uh, you know, on stage, uh, eating, eating chips and queso uh, <laughs> in a restaurant. She's just 
humble and lovely and wonderful and she is really my hero in ministry for the battles she fought like mm -hmm. I, I'm probably on the stage for a lot of you know easily because of a lot of a lot of battles that she fought with humility and with grace and with prayer and with strength and I can only imagine how many times people have told her to change and do things differently I mean we still see it today mm -hmm. and she just keeps on serving the Lord so Dolly Parton and Beth Moore I love it oh well said love it all right Natalie you know I grew up in the church it was my whole life was church and so the generals of the faith I like to say raised me whether or not I wanted them to or not the Billy Graham's and you know the Catherine Kuhlman's when you go back and you watch some of these women who who tilled the ground and so I would just say a lot of the generals that have stayed the course the Lou Ingalls those who have remained in position have been ones and I remember even like praying who should write the foreword of my book and the Lord said ask a general not a celebrity Wow. And then when I really began to research how many people are still in this, there aren't a lot of them. Yeah. And so I see the Lord has taken home many of our generals, but the ones who are still here, you know, I, I ended up asking Lisa Bevere and her and John would probably fall into both categories of being well-known and generals, but yes. I'm looking for the fruit. So when I say who's, who's really inspiring me, it's those who are producing good fruits, mm. uh, not just gifts of the Spirit, but fruits of the Spirit. Wow. That's good. That's great. So, Shevis, I'm going to ask you this question, because when we talk about living unapologetically, who, as, who God created you to be, Shevis Phillips is always someone I think of. <laughs> yes. And I want to, where did you learn that? Where did you, I'm going I'm to put you on the spot here, okay, but where did you learn that? She put me on the spot. Um, living unapologetically, I was raised by a single mom majority of my life. Um, so I watched her tenacity and her grit, you know, yeah. and she lived unapologetically and she still does. And um, I think that when I became a teenager and started really kind of, you know, when we all go through those bucking authority phases, where we're like, yeah, we're not doing anything that we're supposed to do right now. We're going to do the total opposite. I became like what was described as a tornado in a very bad way. Um, and so I didn't get saved until I was 23. So I had been married for two years by the time I got saved. Yeah. And I had become who I wanted to be, who was someone who was raised um, mostly by a single mom. I had dealt with, um, I just had a, a difficult upbringing and I was very much so in self-protection mode and so I decided how far people got how close people got to me how far I was willing to go um, I was always in control of the way people perceived me and then Jesus entered in amen and the most um, humbling and life-shaking thing that ever happened to me was, I call it the unbecoming, because he very patiently sat with me and unpacked all of my stuff. And what he showed me is, yes, I did create, I had a, my, actually, I work for him, Joel. He called me out one time, he goes, you're a tornado. He goes, you have like these fits and like you're swirling around and like everybody is headless and you're like, I'm fine now. I'm good, this is fine. And what the Lord has shown me in his kindness and in me pressing into like who I am, because, you know, church people, 
women in particular, they're just, I was like, I'm cut from a different cloth than y'all. Like, I ain't about the church woman <laughs> thing. Like, I can't do what they do. I'm not like them. And that was, a, that was part of, like, that was something that took root in my identity that was a lie from the pit of hell. Yes. And yes. I have become who I am in Christ because of women who were faithful, who I judged so harshly. And I was like, I don't want to be like them. They kind of are prudish a little, you know, like I was totally wrong. And I stood in judgment of these women who God gave me to help me see how he saw me. And so now what he's shown me is, no, I designed you to be a little bit, you know, wild, but it's to stir up. God's presence, Love like, it. and to make it. like, it's for, I was just playing for the wrong team, you know? Um, so there's a lot about the way that I was raised that is, it, you know, I had to unlearn, but then there's also a lot about it. Just like a lot of you in this room, it made me who I am today. And God showed me, Hey, through all that stuff, I was with you. I was for you in that. And you are who you are today. Yes. Because of those things, but I was with you through it all. Yeah, that's good. I love how God, he, he created us. He knit us, scripture says, he knit us together in our mother's wombs. He knows everything about yeah. us, the number of hairs on our heads. And we are who we are because he designed us that way. Yet we live in this fallen, broken world, but he redeems and he restores. Right. So he doesn't want to completely change who you are he wants to redeem it and bring yes. the beauty out of That's it right. that he originally intended yeah. so let's talk about let's talk about rejection let's talk about people's perceptions of us and walking and, and walking in god's approval instead of man's approval mm. so we often equate people's approval of us with god's acceptance so we think that if we're rejected by people, well, then maybe that's how God feels about me. Talk about how you, you discovered the approval of others and God's acceptance are two totally different things. <laughs> Natalie, Allie, she either said, one. She was slow to pick up her mic, so I guess I'm taking that one. <laughs> um, I, I learned, I remember in high school, I had a friend who was very popular at our school. And then she went to another school and she kept trying to find her group and couldn't find her group. And I remember just having this light bulb moment of, oh, people who are amazing. I mean, truly, this, this girl is truly amazing. She may just be plunked down in another environment and people don't recognize her amazingness, but it has nothing to do with if she's amazing or not. Mm. People have their own issues, right? Like we were talking about before. Right. It, and that was this little light bulb moment I feel like God gave me at a young age to realize like no matter what's going on with you there will be groups of people where you're just not their cup of tea and that has always stuck with me and I one thing I've, I've taught the boys there will be some people who love you and you get along well with them there will be some people who just don't maybe you smell weird <laughs> maybe you look like their cousin who beat them up when they were little I don't know but That's just true. realizing like someone can be amazing and, and whole groups of people aren't going to like you. And that's okay because they've got their own stuff yeah. that's adding to it. So once I did that, it made it easier for me to go, I know God approves of me and I'm going to find my people yeah. who don't think I'm a weirdo and I'm going to hang with them. I, it's oversimplified, but it's worked for me. Yeah, yeah. that's great. 
I was a worship leader for a very long time, and uh, there's a lot of identity that gets rooted in worship leadership. And um, about six years ago, I started leading worship, <clears throat> excuse me, at a large mega church. And every Saturday night before I would lead worship, I would become physically ill to the point where I didn't want to do it. And I would get off the platform, and the first thing I would do is run to my oversight to hear good job. Mm. And I remember hearing another worship leader who's pretty well known talking about this and how her mentor said, you need to repent from that because you've let witchcraft into your life. Mm. That any time man's voice or approval is louder than God's voice or his approval, that's witchcraft. That's that's allowing another voice to impact what God has called you to do. And it really messed with me because what it did now is when I got off the platform, instead of running to people, I, yeah. I would go to the Lord and say, did I sing and, and lead the way you asked me to do that? Was I obedient yeah. to you? And I think a lot of us are tired because we're chasing after people's approval rather than carrying the obedience of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, and so for me, that's just been a marker is when I get off a platform, it's not, did you like me? Did you like what I did? Yeah. But go to the Lord and say, was I, was I obedient? Be it unto me as yes. you have said. And that's, that's been my good. posture of, of Mary, that Mary's posture. Be it unto me as you have said. And that's, that's where I have to stand um, at 44. But it took me 40 years to get there. That's a great word. <laughs> hey, you got there, so you're there. I'm still not there. I'll just be clear. <laughs> I still want you to like me. <laughs> We do like you very much. We like you very much. Thank you for validating me. (laughs) I love it. So, okay, so we talked about identity. We talked about um, walking confidently in who God created us to be. Let's talk about comparison because this is something that we... I think as women struggle with, I don't know, I don't know, Allie, you're, you're good with numbers and, and statistics, uh, but, but it seems that just about every woman that I know struggles with comparison in some way. And comparison is the thief of joy, the famous phrase says, but why do you think women struggle so much with comparison? I think we're both going to need to go with this one. I, I will tell you, I think so many of our problems are because of Instagram and yeah, Facebook. Absolutely. I think absolutely. I think visual social media is killing us. Yes. I use it. I know. Uh, yeah. We all use it and I think it can be used for good. Yeah. But it is really 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 dangerous. I just wrote a book on motherhood and young mothers. I did a survey of over a thousand women to say, you know, what's the number one cause of mom guilt for you? Yeah. And thinking it would be like your mother-in-law or your mom. It was social media. Yeah. It was social media yeah. because we are all posting our highlight reels, right? I, I'm not posting for you guys if I'm in a fight with somebody. I, nobody wants right. to see that or my dirty laundry room. You, you do not want to see it. We all have our own. So I'm guilty of it too where I post good times. It's what we do. But if you are constantly looking at everyone's good times and you've got a tantrum from your two-year-old or your 12-year-old and your dog ate a sock and is thrown up on the carpet, <laughs> you're going to be like, I am a failure. Everything sucks. Every Can I say that at this church? Yes. 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 I don't have any filter. You can. Um, bless my heart. Uh, Because that's what we think. Not yeah. some of y'all who are holier than I am. Y'all don't. Uh, and we want to throw our phones across She's the room. 
So I, I don't have an answer to it, but I do think study after study after study is going to come out through the years that shows the damage that it's doing to women. Yeah. When I wrote Breaking Busy in 2016, I put research in there that said when people use social media, they feel worse when they get off than when they got back on. And that was research wow. pre-2016. So the next question, the follow-up question is always, what do we do? So I'll just throw it at you. The accounts that you see that make you feel bad about yourself, yeah. unfollow them. That's a good word. Unfollow them. <laughs> That's a good word. The accounts that make you feel bad about yourself, and it's someone you know, hide it so they don't know. Yeah. Just go in once a month and comment. They will never know. Like, put, you know, put on your social media stuff yeah. that's going to make you happy. My social media is all Disney World and roller coasters <laughs> and baby otters. Like, just, just take back control. Stop looking at visuals of life that other people aren't even really living. Right. They're posing for photos. That's good. That's the best thing we can do Preach. for comparison. Yeah. That's a good okay. word. Yes. Yeah. All right. Natalie? Yeah, I mean, I walked in and found my three-year-old drinking a Diet Coke out of the trash. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I want to take a picture and put this on Instagram just to level the playing field a little bit. And then I thought CPS yeah. would be called on me, so I didn't do that. It's, it's not how the game works. No, yeah, no, no, nobody's posting bad stuff. No, I will post all the bad things, though, I'll tell you. She's, she's 11 now, she's fine. She didn't get anything. <laughs> no, you know, I always just think that comparison kills collaboration. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And as women, our goal, our goal is to be each other's keeper. Yeah. You're not enemy. You're not getting to my sister. I'm not letting you. You try to get to my sister, you got to go through me. But if I'm so busy wishing I had what my sister had and having this orphan mentality of God only gives his favorite kids good things, yeah. then I miss out on partnering with my sister and watching miracles unfold before our very eyes. It's the whole feeding of the 5,000 and, and looking at what we have in our hands and watching God multiply it before our eyes. And I'd rather be part of an entourage than do this on my own. And when we are in comparison mode, we're in self-preservation mode and yeah. self-preservation is not a fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. Yes. Y'all are preaching. This is good stuff. We have strong feelings about many things. I love it. I love these strong feelings. <laughs> we all do, we all have them. Okay, so let's talk about perseverance. This is something that we talked about backstage. Now, Allie, I've read all your books and I'm familiar with your background. And um, for those of you that don't know, Allie, you lost your dad at a really young age. Um, and so when I read your books and then I hear your story about Mark, and his, his health battles, and then in Remaining You While Raising, uh, Remaining you while raising Them, uh, in that book, you talk about two of your sons, how they went through a debilitating season of migraines, so much so they couldn't even leave their rooms. And so I just, I'm, I'm impressed, and just in, in, a, in a godly way, just how you have persevered. Yeah. And that is one of the things about your testimony that to me is just, that I love, both of you, honestly. Um, so talk about perseverance. Where did that come from? And, and you talked about it a little bit in your, in your message today with us um, about you know, the five bad Bs and the four good As. Tell, talk to us about that perseverance. Was that modeled for you? Did you have to kind of dig it up and, and find it yourself? Or was it, you know, talk about that. 
Uh, just hearing you mention about my two sons, uh, it makes me tear up. I did the Audible book, and when I got to the chapter of this last book about the myth that good moms can protect their children from pain, I just wept through it. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, we're talking about perseverance and faith. I spent about a year and a half mad at God. I talk to him all the time, but I'll be like, hey, okay, I'm not going to talk to you for a little bit. I still listen to worship songs, but I didn't, I didn't feel it, yeah. you know. Still went to church every Sunday, but I was mad at him. Yeah. And I told him I was mad at him. And he kind of gave me this vision, like a, a mother looking at her small child, and the small child is shaking her fist and is angry at the parent. And the mother goes, you're okay, you just... You just need a hug and a nap and a snack, and it is okay. And it was just like a mother never looks at her angry child, no matter how old that child is, and goes, I don't love you anymore because you're mad at me. Yes. That was God's love for me. And I apologize and apologize, and I go, I'm so sorry. I was so mad at you for so long. And he always says, it's okay. It's okay. I'm here. Yeah. Um, and I never thought I'd be one of those people who'd be mad at God for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I never did, but coming to perseverance, like, like just really practically, I never considered myself a strong person until I became a mother. I never considered myself a disciplined person, a focused person, someone who could persevere through anything until I became a mother, mm-hmm. until I looked at my first child and, and all the subsequent children, and <laughs> so many. <laughs> And I went, I would run through a wall for these children. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is nothing that will hold me back when it comes to taking care of them and making sure that I can do everything in my power to be the best mom that God has for them, which has led me to have a ministry and to have a business and to do things I didn't know I could do and to make it through really terrible things. Yeah. So the Lord really showed me strength my strength in becoming a mom. Yeah, I love that. I love that you are so transparent about how your anger with God. I was so mad. I, that, yeah. I, is that, isn't that encouraging? Like, have you, ladies, yeah. how, how many of us have ever felt that way? I mean, it's, it's, it's real. And I think so many times we, we present this sterilized image, like, no, oh, right. we're all, we've just arrived here. Right. No, 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 you, you perse- persevered and you go through yeah. these really dark times yeah. where you are shaking your fist at God. Really David did it, he called it's out really to God. Good. We see it even in scripture. Yeah. And I love, I, I'm so, I love that we are not presenting this image, this sterilized image that uh, we don't have, we don't go through those things, that we do, we, we go through, we, we get angry at God, but it's, it's walking with him and persevering through that, yeah. taking that anger to him and asking him for his, his help with it. Oh, I didn't ask for help with it. <laughs> I was just angry. Yeah, yeah. I just needed a nap and a snack a and some and time. A snack. There you go. That's it. Yes. I love it. 
Natalie, do you want to talk, talk about perseverance? Yeah, I mean, the, the tagline of Raise to Stay is persevering in ministry when you have a million reasons to walk away. And I mean, nobody would blame half of us in this room for walking away from our faith or walking away from the church based off of some of the things we've, we've seen through the flesh. And what I am constantly reminded about with that word persevere is really it's just a holy chutzpah that we're going to remain on the vine. We're going to John 15 this thing, you know. <laughs> and I remember wanting to quit. Like, I've never wanted to quit before. And the Lord literally gives me a phrase, raised to stay, mm. when I want to quit the most okay. in 2019. And it was interesting because when I came to the end of myself, that's when he could really begin. That's good, yeah. And this whole perseverance is just remaining. It's I'm going to remain on this vine no matter how hard the world tries to pull me off, no matter how hard things get. Even when I'm angry and when I'm frustrated, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna stay with Jesus if I can't do anything else, if I'm sitting in silence, if I'm angry, because he can handle that. And so the, the perseverance for me has just been this holy chutzpah to stay with Jesus, even when everything else feels like it's falling apart. And that's not Christian talk. That's just, that's my only hope. That's my only option is to say, I'm not gonna give up on Jesus because it was for the joy set before him that he remained on the cross. And we all have to remember that what starts as a crucifixion ends in a resurrection. Yeah. Yes. So the yes. thing that feels like it's going to kill us is often yeah. an invitation to new life. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Good. good job. Yeah. You guys can clap, y'all clap. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so you have talked about, Chevis and I came up with this question together, just this, you, you both have talked about persevering. So talk about, Ali, you've talked about knowing, knowing it was time to leave a job with, that you knew wasn't a good fit for you. Um, and then Natalie, you've talked about staying when you wanted to leave, but God told you to stay. So talk about the difference. Tell our ladies, how, how do we discern, how can we discern the difference when it's time to leave and when it's time to stay. Yeah. I'll tell you, God is sometimes subtle with me with what I'm a, I should do, right? Because God is so gracious. It's like, here, you can choose these, these different options. Whatever way you do, we're going to be okay. But God is very clear with me when I need to stop doing something, right? I will just, I'll feel it in my sphere. I'll be at worship, and the Lord will be like, stop doing that. <laughs> Who said that? And then you try to ignore it, and then the Lord will send other people. So for, for in this circumstance, I knew it was time to leave. I did not want to leave. I was afraid. Mark, this is, Mark was so sick. I didn't want to go out on my own in business again because everything was just so crazy, and I'm, I'm just a walking, frazzled nerve. But he kept sending people to me. Um, one day, one of my friends called me, and she said, hey, I just got a word for you. Can I give it to you? And I was like, well, yeah, I guess. She said, the Lord wanted me to tell you that you're like Peter, and you won't get out of the boat. <laughs> and you're just, he's telling you to do something, and you won't. And I was like, oh. She said, I think it's sackcloth and ashes time. I think you just need to go get a God word and dare him to back it up with scripture. And she wasn't wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and so I could have kept ignoring yeah. him, but he just would have kept sending messengers to me to be like, hey, guess what? And every time I'd be at church, every time I'm trying to worship and mind my business, the Lord would be like, you need to leave. Um, and sometimes when I'm, I'm talking to women and coaching women, they're like, I just don't know if the Lord wants me to stop doing something. And I'm like, the Lord is pretty clear when he wants you to stop. 
Like, he's not like a football coach on the sidelines of a game, like, and then frustrated that we don't get the directions. Like, Jesus, can you believe? Look down there, Jesus. I keep whispering random words, and she can't pick it up that I want her to stop. No, he's very clear. That's good. So for me, when he gets clear and he gets loud, that's when I know I need to stop something. He's subtle when I should do something, but clear when I should stop. Yeah, I mean, it's I, the number one question that I get every day in my DMs is, Natalie, how do you know if it's time to leave a church? How do you know when it's time? And there's no, there's no formula. There's no formula to tell people how to leave a church. What I do know, though, is that the Lord is so gracious and kind, and can we just thank Him that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He's not up there like, oh my goodness, what's going down? I'm out of control. My kids are doing things I didn't know they were going to do. And I can remember like in my early years of ministry telling my dad, like, I just don't know if I'm supposed to do it or stay and I was toiling and he's like Natalie is it your like your goal to disobey God and I was like no and he's like don't you think he knows that like there is so much freedom in the Lord and one of the things that I know for sure is that sometimes in order to stay with Jesus we have to leave a job or a church and I would say number two don't stay where you're not safe When we're talking about church culture here, there's no longevity awards in heaven. You're not gonna get to heaven and God's gonna give you a trophy and be like, well done, Christian, for staying 25 years in an abusive church. Mm. There's so much freedom in the name of Jesus. And so when he says go, the danger is that we stay too long out of loyalty to man rather than to obedience to God. And so I will tell you this there, there will be a peace that passes all understanding in Christ Jesus that will come on you when it's time to go. And that's where the the disciples said, sometimes you just got to kick the dust off your feet and move into the new season. But I will say this, do not take old dirt into new seasons. Mm. When it's time to go, you just, you just got to go. And people don't have to like it. You don't talk, that's, that's not their job to like it. The obedience is this way, right? Not, not this way. That's good. So, so much of this, what you're saying, both of you are saying is learning how to discern the voice of God. And Allie, I love that you said that he's, he's clear. God is clear. He's clear because he's kind. We say all around here, uh, here all the time on staff, clarity is kindness. When you're, when you're telling someone, be clear, be clear, it's kind, it's kind, because then people aren't wondering, you know, what am I supposed to do? What, what, what's the next step? So, Talk, tell our ladies, and this is kind of off script here, but what is, the, I hear all the time, how do I know God's voice? How can I hear God's voice better? What is, what would you say the number one thing to, to be able to hear God's voice? One, we all can do it. We all have the, we were all created to hear from him and talk to God. So teach our ladies and tell us what it is that you've done to cultivate that relationship with the Lord to be able to discern his voice better in your lives. I think it's really important for us to realize kind of our style, how we hear from the Lord. Some people hear from the Lord when they're reading the Bible primarily. Mm -hmm. Some people hear from the Lord in in different ways. Um, I'll, I'll say for me, corporate worship, like we're doing, I will be worshiping you know, telling the Lord it's great, and all of a sudden he'll be like, blah, 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 and I'm like, whoa, I do, you know, something, for me, it's normally something completely out of the blue that he really wants me to pay attention to, and normally it's to stop doing something, hello, um, because he, because like a good parent, he's taking care of me, um, but I think, I think a lot of times we are searching for God to tell us every little thing, 
But we know when we stay in prayer and we stay in scripture that we don't always need to hear everything from him. Sometimes he will give us ideas. He'll, you know, give us, bring thoughts to our mind and, you know, call a friend, build this, start this, and he'll just keep dropping it in our spirit and understanding that that is hearing from the Lord too. You know, your ideas you have, um, when you want to connect with somebody else, things like that, that that is hearing from him too. Um, And that sometimes can protect us from wanting to hear from the Lord and getting really quiet and then having a thought in our heads that's really our own junk, Yeah. right? Because if if we aren't doing a good job dealing with our own internal junk that we all have because we live in this crazy world we're going to be in prayer and we're going to be listening for the Lord and we're going to hear something Mm. and it's probably not going to be as kind and helpful and encouraging as the Lord's voice is. So I just want to drop that in there that if you're trying to hear from the Lord more and it is critical, it is condemning, it is harsh, that's probably you or probably the enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and know that um, it it is a lifelong journey to be able to hear him clearly without mixing our own junk into it. That is so good. Natalie? You know, I grew up Pentecostal, so... (laughs) Woo! There was a lot of of Holy Spirit encounter in my life. But what I have learned about the Holy Spirit is that He's a perfect gentleman. Mm, And sometimes He comes in like this roaring fire, and other times Mm. He comes in like this gentle breeze, and the way that one sister hears from the Lord isn't necessarily the way that another hears. And the beauty of the Holy Spirit is that He operates in both encounter and formation. Whereas it might not be this huge aha moment where the Lord speaks to me audibly, but it's through the word of God that I begin to hear that my father's voice, the shepherd's voice actually quotes scripture to me. Mm. It sings over me. It dances over me. It, it, it puts me to sleep at night. I've, I've often said about anxiety when I struggle with anxiety that the word of God, the Holy Spirit, it prays me to sleep at night sometimes when I don't have the words to wrap around what I'm feeling and what I love about him is that he doesn't intrude, he doesn't barge in, but he is direct. And, you know, I write these black boxes on Instagram, and I'm not going to lie to you guys, the Lord speaks to me on the toilet a lot. (laughs) There are kids' fingers slipping under doors, there's cat paws coming underneath, and I'm like, Mama's having a a moment with Jesus. So when you read those black boxes, you're welcome. You're welcome. The Lord moves in mysterious ways. He moves, he moves. In the carpool line, in our grocery store line, when he says, buy that lady's groceries, when he says, get that coffee for that person, he's so creative and he's so spontaneous. And sometimes it feels like a gut punch and other times it's this chill that you get and you just know he's right there. And so I just say, like you were saying, just pay attention. Just pay attention because he's everywhere. He doesn't leave us. So he's everywhere. Yeah. 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 I love that. That's great. And he wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you whether you're on the toilet or in the shower. I always say, I always hear God in the shower and I think it's just because I'm quiet <laughs> and, uh, and relaxed and there's, uh, there's always those moments in the shower for me. Chavez, how about you? I keep thinking, I just keep thinking about this. I know this is not on topic. I'm gonna take a left really fast because I just feel this in my spirit Go deeply. I want to talk about the orphan spirit for a second because I think a lot of the reason that a lot of us don't hear God 
in this way is because this identity has taken root in us that's not daughters of the king. And I think about what you preached last night. She preached on the woman at the well. And one of the things that she pointed out was, you know, the woman had had multiple husbands. And that could be because of some circumstances that she had no control over. Remember the burning the bread thing? Yeah. Or not being able to conceive a child. Yep. And so a lot of times these, these things take root in us and we don't have any control of, like, I want to talk about how, like, how to identify the orphan spirit in us. What are some things, because you're a PK, yeah. so she's a pastor's kid. Pastor's kid. I wasn't. My parents were divorced, right? So, like, when you come in to me with, like, Jesus is Lord, God is your father, I'm like, okay. Do you know how many dads I tried to have on this side of heaven that didn't work out? So I see why I felt this orphan spirit of someone who did not hear God, of someone who wondered how these people, these church women became like they were. It's because they were walking in who they were created to be, right? And so how are some ways we can identify the orphan spirit that's hiding in us, that's damming up our, this living water that we have access to? I'm going to jump in and let Natalie run with it, but for... For the girls who grew up with a mom, yours was a divorce. Uh, mine, obviously, my dad passed away right before I turned three. Um, there, it takes decades to get God as father and to feel safe and not feel like, but is he going to abandon me? Yeah. Um, and I think there's so much pain that women carry from that. Yeah. So I just wanted to address it and, and know that if that is you, it, it is very common. Um, yeah. Natalie, run That's with good. it. Yeah, the orphan spirit's confusing because I had a dad who was ever-present, and I still operate in the orphan spirit. It's, it's a wow. spirit of lack. It's yes. a spirit of poverty yes. that is in competition with the spirit of heir, yes. which tells us that our father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. If he's going to take care of the sparrows, isn't he going to take care of us? But yet we come to a table, and we're sitting with all of our brothers and sisters, and we're like, well, they got steak, and I got green beans, and boo-hoo-hoo. And then what happens is we start pinching under the table, and we start misbehaving. And what I notice in a lot of church staff is a bunch of orphans who have forgotten who their father is. And, and guys, we have, time is too precious for us to have spiritual daddy issues. Yes. <laughs> like, you Say have to again. know who your father is. Yes. You have to know to whom you belong to. Yes. And when the enemy tells you that there's not enough at the table, you say, he's prepared a banquet and before me in the presence of my enemy, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's right. But the only way to combat the orphan spirit is to know who your father is. And we only know who our father is by being with our father. And so if you are being a spiritual orphan and pinching under the table, stop it. (laughs) You are a pain in the butt of the kingdom and I need you to stop it. But there is nothing but grace also, so, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That, Chavis, you just asked my favorite question of the night, or of the morning, whatever time of day this is. Um, It's dark in here, I can't tell. tell. Ladies, thank you so much. Thank you for being here. This has been amazing, Mm. and uh, it is an honor to have you both here, and uh, thank you for answering our questions. And thank you for being on Beyond Sunday live at Bethlehem Church. Thank you, ladies, for being here. And thank you, Shevis, for helping me co-host Thank you for having me. This was fun. All right. Well, thank you all. 
We hope you enjoyed that episode. We loved having these ladies here with us this weekend, and we hope you enjoyed them as much as we did. And if you want more information about their ministries, uh, all of their information, their websites, their podcast, all that will be in the show notes of this episode. And if you have any questions, want to know more information about groups, about women's events, all of the good stuff, you can always email us at beyond Sunday at BethlehemChurch.us. We'd love to hear from you. Love hearing from our listeners. Thanks for listening. As always, we love you guys, and we'll see you next time.